This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Fierce Beer. Fierce Beer are your local independent Aberdeen-based craft brewery with a strong focus on producing great flavour-packed beers ranging from traditional pilsners, juicy hoppy pale ales, fruity sensations right through to luscious barrel-aged stouts and tart sours. As of 2021, Fierce are officially Scotland's Brewery of the Year and are the most decorated Scottish brewery picking up awards every year since their inception. In 2016, Fierce have three bars across the UK situated in Manchester, Edinburgh and of course their hometown bar in the Granite City, Aberdeen. Located on Ship Row, Fierce's Aberdeen bar offers a 10% discount on Aberdeen match days to anyone attending the game. Simply flash your ticket to the bar staff and get 10% off your drinks. Great slight of foot there. It's Wednesday, and you know what that means. Welcome to episode 54 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott. Joining me this week, it's Gavin J. Baxter, and a welcome. Welcome return from his extended summer vacation to Graham Steele. Gents, how's it going? Good, thank you. Sorry, I missed what you were saying there. I have a Newcastle United on, the, on my mind. <laughs> They're in there, apparently. So I hear. Living rent-free, Gav. Rent-free. That's the patter, apparently. Yep. Good. I'm, I'm very well, thank you. Excellent. Good stuff. Boys, in a week that saw Hibs take total control of the banter year's baton, which bit was your favourite part? Oh, I mean, Ryan Porch is making an arse of himself. That's always that's always a pretty nice feeling. Always good. Makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. Yeah, I would have to agree with Gav. It's difficult to not enjoy a Porteous fuck-up stroke meltdown, so that gets my vote. I love it. I mean, let's just go through most of it. You had Aidan McGeady missing a second penalty in a row. Beautiful. The aforementioned Ryan Porteous with his penalty being smashed over the bar. Lovely stuff, which allowed Greenick Morton to take the bonus point in their Premier Sports Group fixture, which all but condemned Hibs at that point to missing out of the round of 16. Anyway, before that was confirmed the very next day because of poor, poor Rocky Bishwuri having been named in the starting lineup despite being suspended from two bookings early in the competition. That saw Hibs forfeit the game 3-0. Out on their arses. Ron Gordon finished the week having a big old moan about the fixture list for some reason. And then Lee Johnson topped it all off this morning having a big complaint about the Premier Sports Cup format. And we made the point of the ground today, you know, well, the rest of us seem to be getting on okay with the Lee. Um, well, you say the rest of us. I mean, St. Johnston, they've made an arse of things as well, to be fair. <laughs> True. As have St. Mirren. As have St. Mirren. Um, hey, winning games in the Premier Cup group stages, it's not for everyone. Clearly not. And that was all before Greenick Morton decided to turn Capaloon to their own version of the Hotel California on Saturday as well. Yeah, I don't understand what they were... What was that? So I saw the the tweet was along the lines of basically words you're in, you're stuck in. Yeah. <laughs> but surely that can't, like you said, that can't be actually permitted. Yeah, I no idea. 
Don't know what that's is about. that one. Is that the way to guarantee their attendance for all season? These poor bastards and stuck are there until like this time <laughs> next year. Quite possibly. I mean, somebody made a very good point in a tweet response to the one we put out, basically saying, "Can you imagine if the Dons had imposed that rule last season? There have been like full scale fucking riots every week, just people trying to break out the stadium." Yeah, and that's just that's just J. Manuel Thomas. Jets brother, still in the northeast, as it turns out, played up front yesterday for Devon Vale against Fraserburgh. And did not get a five-star review from our uh, well, I was going on-field to say, reporter. No, to correct you from what I've seen, he was named up front <laughs> and was on the pitch. I don't know if played really fits the the description based on what I, I saw from those people. Absolutely. Definitely not. Anyway. It's another busy week on the ABZ Football Podcast as we take a look back at our 3-0 win over Wraith Rovers in Group A of the Premier Sports Cup. We bring you our thoughts on all the latest news from AB24 this week. And after the break, we preview our SPFL Premiership season opener at Parkhead on Sunday. And for a bit of a fucking laugh and something we'll definitely keep in the history books, we'll bring you our line of predictions for the season ahead. All going on record. But... First, Aberdeen 3, Wraith Rovers 0, the Premier Sports Cup Group A, Pataudry Stadium, the 23rd of, no, 24th of July, 2022. One change to Jim Goodwin's starting 11 from Tuesday evening's 5-0 demolition of Stirling Albion, which saw Macedonian international Bojan Miofsky make his debut at the expense of Christian Ramirez and to top things off, Miofsky handed Ramirez's number nine jersey for the season ahead with the American now wearing 99. I'm pretty sure I've remembered who it was that had 99. I'm sure original Ronaldo had it at AC Milan. Oh, maybe. However, it is fair to say that uh, Ramirez's finish in the dying moments of this game was anything but Ronaldo-esque. Real Ronaldo, secondary Ronaldo, any Ronaldo. Uh, well, I think you could just say professional-esque. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come on to that. Well, that'll we'll that'll just that. cover all our bases there. Absolutely. Results elsewhere on Saturday meant the Dons were already through to the round of 16, no matter what. But we were also clear that a win would secure a seeded spot into the next round. And for all those interested onlookers and those of us who got into the ground five minutes after kickoff, the Dons bench now located on the Merkman Road side of the halfway line. The Dons warming up in front of the Red Shed and shooting that way in the second half. All little signs of change in an approach from our new management team. And it was Miofsky who got off to the absolute... Dream start, cleverly bringing himself back on side to be in on goal before he was crudely brought down by Sam Stanton just six yards out. Clear penalty and our new number nine dusted himself off and smashed the resulting penalty high into the top right-hand corner of the net. And the Dons and Miofsky were off and running. Credit to Rovers, though. For the next 15-20 minutes, they were arguably the better side with the home team being guilty of, let's just say, a touch sloppy in possession with chances falling to Gullen, numerous and Zanata before Aberdeen then began to exert some control. A lovely interchange of play between Miofsky and Bajowin saw the latter smash an effort from 25 yards that flew over by a couple of feet. Before Ross McCrory decided that he could go one better a couple of minutes later, latching onto a through ball from Miofsky in the centre circle, advancing to around the 30-yard line. Line? It's not the NFL, is it? My own <laughs> advancing to the 30-yard mark? Area. Region. Region. Area before lashing a strike in off the underside of the bar for his third goal of the campaign. And those murmurings of discontent about his choice of holiday destinations appear to have somewhat quietened. Anyway, halftime, 2-0 the Dons, well and truly on our way. The game was finished within a minute of the restart, but Jouwens threw ball 
sensibly avoided by an offside Miofsky. And it was Johnny Hayes who latched onto it before dispatching Cooley past Thompson. It should have been four just a minute later. More great interplay between Miofsky and Bajau and saw Vinny through and go. It should have been sticky toffee puddings all round, but his effort was well saved by Thompson. The Dons now well on top and they made their first set of changes on the hour mark. Mason Hancock and Boyan Miofsky withdrawn for Christian Ramirez and Luis Lopez, which saw Ross McCrory drop to centre-half alongside Anthony Stewart with Liam Scales at left-back. The Dons made further changes eight minutes later as the game began to peter out. First, Ryan Duncan on for John Hayes before a double swap saw Marley Watkins and Dante Povara entering the field of play for Matty Kennedy and VB10. Ramirez should have had a couple of goals as the game entered the last 10 minutes. The first, a diving header from a great piece of work down the right flank by Jaden Richardson, which saw Thompson save well and tip over the bar in spectacular form. The second chance, well, I think the least said about this one, the better. Clean through on goal with Lopez square. He chose to shoot, but got it all wrong, lashing that one high, wide, and not very handsomely into the shed. But that was that. The Dons' comfortable winners in the end, securing a seeded spot in the next round of the Premier Sports Cup with a four from four record, four clean sheets, 12 points secured, 12 goals scored. And after the game... It was confirmed we had drawn an athletic away on Wednesday, the 30th of August. Gents, your thoughts on that afternoon at the home of football? First things first, I'm not going to pretend to know my Scottish geography all that well. Um, can you tell me where Annan is exactly? A long way away. Down towards Carlisle. It's like on the border. Pretty it's, much. Yeah, not, not far off. It's, uh, it's a decent trek. Lovely stuff. A first ever meeting between the sides um, on the card. So from that perspective, good stuff. A midweek trek to Annan, thumbs down. <laughs> you say that, but Graham will be there. Graham will be there. Of course he will. Well, one of us has to be committed on this podcast. True. Fair. Very true. Very fair. Uh, Graham, I'll let you go first with your uh, thoughts. Uh, generally speaking, pretty pleased. I, I mean, from my point of view, unfortunately, I couldn't go to the Peterhead of the Dumbarton game. So other than seeing some of these guys at Bucky about a month ago, which wasn't quite the same, you know, Sterling was my first chance to see these uh, these guys in a more meaningful match. And again, today, uh, you know, Wraith were a lot better than, than Sterling were. So it was a more meaningful comparison about their abilities. Um, yeah, but I, was, I enjoyed the game. I think, like Gary said in his summary, there was a period where Wraith were probably into the game a little more than I would have liked. Some of our defending wasn't brilliant, but having said that, it doesn't really matter what team you're watching or what match you're in, you're always going to concede chances to the opposition. Overall, really pleased. Another clean sheet, scored some goals. Some really quite good link-up play and a couple of moves with Mayofsky. He's obviously got uh, probably a bit of work to do Fitness-wise, he's obviously got to then get to know his teammates, etc. But overall, I think it's really quite encouraging. I mean, most importantly, it was important. Well, getting through the group was critical. We've done it in some style. Now, I realise the opposition in some cases maybe hasn't been the highest calibre, but you can only beat what's put in front of you. We did it. And I think what I'm really pleased about, I know there are, there's been quite a new few new signings, but none of that malaise or just sort of rank atmosphere that was hanging over the club and the squad from the end of last season seems to have, you know, all just seems to be gone. And we're just, you know, if you feel like this is the 
the real start of the Goodwin regime, you know, it's a good start. Hopefully everyone's a bit more excited about the, the upcoming season. And then when we get to, you know, the first home game in the league, decent crowd, decent atmosphere, and hopefully we can just actually make a little bit of progress this year. On the topic of the Sterling Admin game, can Graham, can you just tell us your uh, thoughts behind getting involved in the Liam Scales No More Celtic Loans banner? <laughs> yeah, uh, I took it out of all the kind Kofi donations, so that's where it's been going. Anyone <laughs> that's who's where that money, money went, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, that's why it was empty when you went to get your Rioja cans, whiskey, whatever it is you're on tonight. <laughs> My Rioja cans. That sounds. Oh yeah, well yeah, I meant two words, but you're right. Rioja cans, cans of Rioja. Sounds interesting. Dave Cormack um, special on the board too. <laughs> <laughs> I overheard one individual in the shed saying that the Dumbarton centre half last week. Oh, I heard this as well. Significantly better than Liam Scales because he doesn't play for Celtic. So um, let's just leave that without comment. That's a take. I entirely agree with Graham. I think it was a very good performance all round. Um, comfortable, three good goals. Um, Miofsky off and running. Thought he looked obviously a little bit short on match fitness, as Jim Goodwin mentioned beforehand. But, you know, um, a very, very comprehensive penalty kick right into the uh, top corner. A Graham Steel special, no finesse, just sheer power. Loved it. Um, Two very good bits of link-up play with, with Vinny Bajowin to yep. create chances. Um, perfect way to pass. Seems like he's got a lot about him. And I think more importantly, I saw a couple of occasions the ball didn't end up coming his way, but there was some really intelligent off-ball play as well. So excited to see him get fitter and fitter and contribute more and more as the season goes on. Ross McCrory's goal is an absolute worldie from the uh, 30 and one mark. It's, <laughs> yeah. He's Ross McCrory has got a lot going for him, and I'm hoping that he's going to contribute um, in terms of goals. That's three already. Yeah, exactly. And okay, it's lower league teams, but it's it's been it's what we're crying out for, wasn't it? Getting forward a bit more, driving through from the centre of the midfield, and you just going to yeah. say, regardless of the opposition, it's him getting into those positions, Absolutely. which maybe I hadn't seen enough of. So yeah, it's, that's encouraging because he's he's strong, he's quite quick, he's good at taking the ball forward. So I definitely would like to see him offer up more of a threat as the season goes on. Absolutely. I mean, I think I would be interested to know who the third top scorer of last season was because it feels like, you know, if it wasn't Ramirez or Ferguson scoring, we generally speaking did not score last season. Oh, I'm um, going to look it up, but I'm going to, before I do, I'm going to hazard a guess it was Ryan Hedges. It probably was, yes. And now I'm going to look it up and I'll tell you. Carry on, Gav. Probably was, yes. But, you know, there seems to be already within these four games a good spread of goals throughout the team. It's not like we're going to be relying on. It was Ryan Hedges on five, two of which came in Europe. So well, there you go. That's as damning as it gets. Um, so yeah, I mean, that spread of goals is a very encouraging thing that we're not going to rely on one individual. Uh, Johnny Hayes, I thought again, Johnny Hayes of old, I thought he was really, really good today. And we'll come down to it, I'm sure. But um, it's clear to see that Christian Ramirez does not watch Ted Lasso because if he did, he would understand the importance of the extra pass. And we'd be all here talking about a Luis Lopez first goal for Aberdeen, but instead, oh, oh, <laughs> oh that finish. Oh. There was something else which was interesting about Ramirez, and I'll, I'll maybe touch on it later on um, when we come on to discussing the, the shirt situation. Um, was it nice to see though that Christoph Berra is still a FUD? It's nice. It's, it's, it's comforting. You know, it lets you know that some things, you know, 
remain some things remain the same, you know. Watching him desperately claim for the offside for the third goal was up there as a highlight, I think, for me this season I mean, already. That might be the topper. I mean, he was never quick, but he is, you know, who's a, who's a, a relevant comparison here? Jet. Jet. Yulma Wenny slow. That's where he is now. Remember, Yulma Wenny's like head of like physical conditioning or something at Fleetwood Time, which I still find to be one of the more odd job titles. It's like if Mark Yardley was given head of physical conditioning at St. Midden or something. Well, Scott Brown's manager at Fleetwood, so it's a pretty fucked up place. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, Gav, do you want to do the record? You, you, you have to do the record. Of course, yes. The record, I think, if I'm not mistaken, for the first time in his tenure, we now have more wins than either draws or losses. Jim Goodwin, six wins, five losses, and five draws. And of course, completing the Premier Sports Cup group stage. Four played, four wins, da, 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 12 goals scored, zero conceded. Probably matching last season for clean sheets already. Well, that's a good point, Calf. Um, if it's not matching, it's not far off. I would dare say we probably had about five last season. I'll go back and check this later on, but um, let's talk about Bojan Miofsky really quickly. Um, I thought it was kind of a little bit hard to get a proper read on him today because he, he wasn't really involved to significant extents today. But what I did see from him, I was pretty impressed with. I think, again, once he gets up and running properly from a fitness perspective, I think there's going to be something potentially very, very special in there. Um, the penalty kick, you know, for a boy coming in, First game, six minutes into your debut, there wasn't really any signs of any nerves there, was there? That was just, stick that down, straight in the top bins. Lovely stuff. I think if you're not confident, you're not putting it top corner, are you? You're going to just no. down the middle or into the bottom because that's that's a lot easier than uh, yeah. going for the top corner. So hopefully there's a man who's uh, got believes in himself. And also cutting it back over himself as well. You know, yep. you tend to think, oh, an easier one's just to open the foot up and... Yep bend it down the left-hand side for him to cut back on it top corner is um, you could have had three keepers in the, in the sticks there and none of them are saving it oh, we, as we're recording we have just received a, uh, a DM from our good friend in Hungary Aaron Ariofsky saying I see Miofsky had a nice debut smiley face and yes yes he did Aaron thank you very much what did you think of him Gav? yeah like I say I think there's more to come when he is uh, got that match sharpness and he's trained with us a little bit more to understand exactly what we want or expect from him. But, you know, I mean, like, like Graham says, there's confidence there. There's there's technique there within that penalty. His link-up play was on a different world from where we've been the last 12 months, especially. Um, yeah, I've got the... I've had a really good feeling about this ever since I saw him arrive at Cormac Park with with his best mate, Yilber. And... Uh, in the queue for the canteen for the Rowies. Yeah, I think, yeah, this is going to be... He's on a four-year contract, doesn't he? Yes, yeah, he yeah. is. Yeah. I've got a feeling we're going to enjoy maybe two years of Boyan. And then, yeah, I think he might move on to more prosperous things. But yeah, I think we're going to really enjoy him while he's here. What are your thoughts on the whole um, squad number situation? Is it a big deal? Is it, is it a big issue? Well, Jim Goodwin's made mention that it's... Um, it was part of negotiations that he wanted the number nine shirt and Christian Ramirez has accepted it and taken on number 99. Um, maybe it's reading into it, but yeah, it does seem to be a, a statement of intent that yeah, Bojan Miofsky is going to be the lead striker for Aberdeen. Um, Jim Goodwin's made mention pretty clear 
that he is going to play his strongest 11 whenever it is available to him. So that as much as, as that even more than the squad number tells you that where um, Ramirez is in the pecking order and he will not have done himself any favours with, again, the aforementioned fucking howler in the last minute. Yeah, it wasn't great, was it? Um, what I thought was interesting today, and I, I couldn't decide if I'd actually seen it at the time, so I never spoke about it because I thought I just hadn't witnessed it. When two other people have mentioned it to me after the game, at the substitutions on the 60-minute mark, Ramirez totally dingies me off skewing the way past. Well, I did notice that they didn't, you know, sort of do the usual handshake or extend. Yeah. I did notice that, but I didn't read anything into it too much. You know, maybe, well, I was going to say they don't know each other that well. Of course they don't, but they obviously know their teammates. Uh, yeah, I did I did see that. It didn't really read too much into the time, other than it's a little unusual, especially when they they literally walk past each other. It's yeah. not like that, you know, I don't know, you know, Ramirez went off somewhere else in the, the pitch. They did go yeah. past each other. So, yeah, maybe. But then Ramirez has done this to himself, in my yeah. opinion. The way he handled this, you know, himself. So if he's now decided he's wanting to be back here or he's stuck here, it doesn't really matter if he's here and he's going to be playing and he's now not flavour of the month, maybe the way he was before and playing every week. It just needs to look in the mirror as to how it happened. Can't say I noticed this, but if Graham's seen it and other people have commented on it, and this has in fact happened. It's, I mean, that last chance for Ramirez that he makes an absolute hash of, it kind of, it's a little bit of a microcosm for me of Christian Ramirez's character and whether he plays for himself or whether he plays for the team. That's a good point. Um, you know, I think 99% of our players probably square that ball. In that situation, he takes the choice to take the shot on goal. And if you're going to do that, you better fucking score because otherwise we're going to be talking about it. I know um, it was a gross attempt. I actually don't, I didn't have a problem with him taking the shot on personally, but I, I take it, I, have, I do take your point. There's a good example, um, like Sterling, it was at Johnny Hayes was through and, you know, on his left foot, I'm pretty confident he would slot it that way, looked up, saw McCrory and Nagers in space and just roll it across and it's a certain goal. So I, I know what you mean, it's a different attitude. You know, at, at bigger teams with significantly better players than we have, there's a directive in that situation that you always square the ball, um, regardless of who you are. So, I mean, it's that's one of those things. And if that's how Ramirez is behaving with a new player who, like Ramirez, you know, being a, I know he's only been here for a year, but he's still one of the more experienced players in our dressing room. He should be handling himself in a much more mature manner than that. Um, it's That's not a good look. Yeah, you're right. There's two sides to that coin about the chance at the end, isn't there? One is you want to see your, your number nine or your number 99 as he is now in a situation like that, wanting to back himself, wanting to get goals. But at the same time, you've got a new player in the, in the squad and in, in, in Duke. Think of what it would do to his confidence to get up and running it would have been a tap and he's not missing that. Um, the game was also over. Well, it so it might have been a little different had it been 0-0 or 1-0. Maybe, maybe he would have been looking to see if there was a maybe. better chance. I, I'm not, I don't know, but uh, we'll, we'll see what how he features throughout the season. The, the number 99 doesn't bother me and the not acknowledging Wiofsky doesn't bother me. How high he was wearing his shorts alarmed me. <laughs> So that's where I am with Ramirez after today. It was like a thing right out of the 80s, wasn't it? Yeah, Absolutely. Was. I mean, he's been doing it all, all pre-season and all through the cup stage, but yeah. it's. What's the Partridge quote for one of the boys out of the barracks? <laughs> the boys out of the barracks. 
<laughs> There's a serious danger of that. The nylon undergarment has perished. <laughs> I have popped out again. Oh, man. Um, In a way, though... Oh, sorry, I'm going to Well, I was just going to say, but it's, we're probably not talking about it as seriously because, as you say, it was 3-0, the game was done. But, I mean, this is one of the things that I have the reservation about Ramirez when it comes to bigger games against tougher opposition. Can you just imagine if that was 0-0 against Rangers or Celtic? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we're not talking so calmly about it. Let's just say that. Yeah, that's a very fair point. It's a very, uh, but this is something that actually, because Ramirez fits into this next line of conversation I wanted to, to have. And I saw somebody tweet about it, this sort of sentiment. And for the life of me, I can't remember who it was now, so I apologize if it was you. Um, I'll give you the credit for this, but I don't know who it was. That obviously exercised a bit of a ghost today in terms of Wraith Rovers after being knocked out of the League Cup by them last season. In a really weird way now, when you see Ramirez on the bench and clearly will be a, uh, he's not a first choice any longer. Um, I think that's pretty clear to see. David Bates has not featured for one minute in any of our um, cup games so far. Marley Watkins is getting minutes here and there, but I'm not entirely sure how you know how ingrained in the first team picture he really necessarily is. With that result against Wraith today, have we kind of neatly just tied up the whole Stephen Glass era and just packaged it off down the river now just to kind of try and forget that that whole season happened and like I say the only remnants now of his squad are going to be David Bates, Christian Ramirez and Watkins. I'd just part of me would be very surprised to see if he, any of those three players are still here at the end of the transfer window. Well of course we had speculation during the week of David Bates being linked yeah. with um, various clubs in England. Um, clearly he's third choice at the very maybe even fourth choice fifth choice center back right now it's kind of hard to say i'd say he's fifth at the moment um, because i would be interested to know what would happen if like one of scales or stuart got injured and it came down to like who yeah, would he Jack then Milne put or well he'd put mccrory in i think yeah first. i mean i guess it would be like oh, you know yeah it would be a very interesting point yeah. to see um but i think david bates is at an age where i think he needs to be playing football quite simply um he's come to Aberdeen and it's just not really worked out for him and I do have a degree of sympathy given the circumstance which he came in where no preseason whatsoever and was basically brought in being heralded as the solution to a atrocious defensive setup and been a little bit hung up to dry in my humble opinion um as an Aberdeen player particularly playing on the left side of the defense in a team that wants to play it from the back so often um I think it would be a neat way to kind of just like Maybe move him on and I think probably best for everyone, if I'm being honest, with that circumstance. Watkins, I do suspect, will remain as a squad player, as a player off the bench, primarily. And yeah, well, with Ramirez, we'll be probably talking about this until the, the transfer window shuts, slams shut. That's what it does, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, until there's any kind of resolution there, I think we'll be looking at that with just a sense of what's going to happen there. I think, again, third choice in the attacking options, Maybe second choices of out number nine, but if you're going to be playing with one up top, that leaves you in a... I don't think he's second choice right now at number nine. I think he's probably fourth choice for that now. What, behind I Boyan? Think he'd go, he'd go Boyan, you'd well, go one of Ramirez and Lopez as a nine, and then he would go Watkins after the two of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, his conduct, if it's like that with um, Bojan Miofsky or... The way he handles himself at the end of the last season, it still leaves a, a shadow over his time. And not to mention, just his, some of his performances have not been up to scratch, quite simply. Um, so who are we talking about here? Are you talking about Watkins or Ramirez? Ramirez. Okay. 
I thought we were talking about Watkins for some reason. No, no, Ramirez. Okay. Um, will it, have we neatly wrapped up the Stephen Glass era? Well, I mean, I've got a lot more beer to get through before that happens <laughs> in my own consciousness. But the nice thing about today was um, Jack Gert wasn't playing right back. And that's enough for me. Let's talk about the right side, though. Nice segue, Gav. Thank you. In that first half today, there was like a 15-20 minute spell after we went 1-0 up where Wraith looked pretty tidy in fairness to them. I thought Wraith actually got the ball down and knocked it out pretty well. Ethan Ross looked really handy and then kind of faded out of the game as Wraith did. But um, obviously Wraith were the, the biggest test we've had so far in the in the group stages of the League Cup here. I had a little bit of a concern first half, just that we looked a little bit defensively fragile, especially down the right-hand side potentially. And would better teams, and I'm looking at you know, Sunday now, have actually taken a couple of goals off us during that particular period of passage of play. And is that a bit of a concern? This is the first time we've really been tested defensively and I wasn't overly convinced by us in that 15-20 minute spell. Well, Graham, I know you had some reservations you declared during the game regarding the, the goalkeeper, actually, in particular. Yeah, I, I am being probably overly critical and I should set my stall out that I, I like Joe Lewis. I appreciate it. it was critical of him last season because like everyone, he performed below par. But I'm just not totally convinced against Roos. In the two games I've seen him, granted he's not a great deal to do, but I just don't feel he's really commanding his box particularly well. You know, tends to flap it uh, at things, is what I've seen to date. But on the, the point guys making about the right-hand side, I would agree a little bit um, with him there. It was, a, it was a little bit worrying because it was that spell and they had a couple of balls that came in from the right-hand side so it basically just fizzed across the goal. Bruce left them and if anyone was running in on them, certain goal because you just can't really stop them. So that that was a little bit concerning. I just can't decide if if the way we're maybe going to try and play, if we're going to be a little bit more expansive and Richardson was quite good at getting up and down the wing, if that's maybe just the balancing act and that's maybe just the risk we're going to have to take you know it's a little bit you can't have your cake and eat it you you want to be more exciting you kind of have to trade off chances at the back but he's not quite as to date he's not quite as solid in his defensive roles I kind of thought he might be appreciates early days so I'm by no means saying he's nowhere near good enough nothing nothing like that I just thought he'd be a little bit more robust because Anthony Stewart is pretty robust that is Definitely an adjective you can use to describe. I'm very much enjoying him. I think, I think we will get on to him in a second. Um, I think yeah, I tend to agree. There was that little spell. Yeah, there was some space um, on that side. I can't remember who was exactly ahead of Anthony Stewart at that point. Uh, sorry, ahead of... Um, That's a fair point. Jaden Richardson. It's not entirely Richardson's fault because he's got... Uh, he should have cover. Yeah, so the one thing I would say, though, is that when the ball did come into the dangerous areas like the penalty box or you know 18 20 yards out within the width of our goal i saw more resolute determination to prevent the mm. ball from getting anywhere near kelrus and getting anywhere near a goal um a level of determination to not concede that quite frankly stephen glass and his staff never came anywhere close to instilling within our team um whether it was you know anthony stewart Liam Scales, Ross McCrory, Ramadani, whoever was nearby, they were putting their bodies on the line to stop Wraith. And that was, it was kind of that, that always pleased me more that we were able to stand up to that little 15 minute period of pressure and we we didn't fold. That was, yeah. Because after last year, we 
it was inevitable in that situation we would do something to concede. And today we've walked away with our fourth clean sheet of the season. I don't even recall us doing anything too daft. I mean, we weren't just shelling it and getting rid of it. Mm-hmm. But I don't recall us trying to be over elaborate either. Um, I just like I feel like we conceded so many goals last season entirely down to ourselves by trying to be clever and almost passing it to the opposition. But I don't really recall too many nervy moments where in those kind of situations where someone did get a clearance in, they generally got a decent clearance on it or we seemed to get rid at the right time or people were available for, um, for a pass. So it wasn't as nervy as basically any time someone got in the final third last season. We were pretty economical with our movement and our and our play in those situations. And if anything, we think we created one or two chances to, to create a breakaway, which is obviously the benefit of having so much more pace, especially in those like um, attacking three positions as well as Jaden Richardson and look a lot more mobile than we yeah, did and, last season. And also, I think I'm going to have to say give credit. Mason Hancock I thought looked really good today. Been a little bit unsure of him at left back, but today I think it was his best performance so far. I'd completely agree with that. Absolutely his best performance so far, and which is a good sign as he's stepping up against better opposition. He stepped up today. I thought he was really, really good enough um, the period of time he was on the pitch. And in addition to that, I thought Jaden Richardson, as the game went on, he seems to grow in with confidence and began to maybe understand his, his strengths against um, his opponents here in Scotland. Um, there were times later on in the game where he's still full of running. He's like the... Um, Duracell battery bunny. Other battery brands stops. are available. Of course. Sorry. Of course. Apologies to those offended by that comment. Um, we're just knocking the ball 10 yards ahead of his opponent and just run. Yeah. He'll win that battle every day of the week. A couple of decent balls he started in delivering the box as well. I was going to say as well, he started delivering some uh, some good crosses that could have ended up in one or two goals. So, yeah, highly encouraged. It was his really, really nice ball in that uh, Ramirez had the diving header for and maybe should have done better with. I don't know. It's, it's it's a decent save. I thought the keeper made a good save. Actually, I thought the keeper made a good save from that one. I'd have been happy with that. Anyway, there we go. On Anthony Stewart, now we've all had a chance to really see our new captain kind of in anger a bit more now. Um, just your general thoughts on, on our new captain. Fucking loves defending. Loves defending. That guy is happier with a block or a header away than a goal. Yeah. You could tell that. Again, simply what I said before, um, resolute and determined in leading us through these difficult situations and just making sure he's going to do everything he possibly can to stop opposition teams putting the ball in our net. And that's exactly what we need. But being sort of smart around it, I haven't seen him do anything too daft. I mean, there's one way to stop mm-hmm. people, which is just to be diving in all the time, even though you shouldn't be, you're never going to get the ball, but you'll take him out. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see through many games. If you play like that, I can't recall him doing anything daft or he's clattering people or through the back you know he's just basically physical wins the header or the odd time he doesn't he's pretty difficult to get around and if he gets his body in front of you you're going to foul him basically so I'm really quite enjoying watching him and he's like complete 180 of our central defensive pairing from last season is and he's not self-centered I don't really see him getting picked on or bullied you know if people decide they're going to put their big guy on him for diagonals and stuff like that I'm pretty sure Andy Stewart is just going to deal with that all day long probably with a great big smile on his face so really enjoying him so far loves head and just kicking things it's great to see um, it's been a while since we've just a, a really pure defender I wonder if he's got any Italian blood in him but you know it's funny as well though because like for a guy who 
when he signed, I think we all looked at his height stats and thought, well, maybe a bit iffy in the Premiership because you're going to come up against teams who are just going to play long ball all the time. And I've got no concerns right now at all about how he'll match up to that. He's, he, he absolutely isn't the, the, the biggest of guys, but his timing on his jumps has so far been impeccable. And again, it's levels. We'll see how we go. But I've been impressed. The only thing I would say is near the quickest in a 10-yard dash. That's probably fair. But if you look who he's got around him, Scales looks yeah. like he's reasonably quick. So you'd obviously think yeah. he's always wanting to mop up anything there because they'll play next to each other. Um, Hancock's no slouch. He's young enough. You'd expect him to be up and down. Richardson as well. Even just from midfield now, there's a bit of bit more pace. You know, Rabadani seems to be quite switched on. There was one moment in the first half relatively early on. I can't remember. Hancock must have gone forward, lost out. Yeah. And it was Rabadani boosting back to cover his position. So I think you've got a little bit more mobility in and around him. But I, I take your point. You don't really want to be in a situation for whatever reason. He's on a one-on-one. And it, and it really means something because I, I question how quick he, he'd actually be in that situation. If I was a lot of teams in the Premiership this season, I'd be looking at little balls through the channels over the top of him as being where I'd be going. But I reckon he'll read the game quite well, though. So Yeah, I think so. You're right in a foot race, but I'd be surprised if he was getting caught out that often that he was in a one-on-one foot race because I, I think he'll read the game and he'll be smart enough to know what he can and can't do and how people will play him because he's... He's yeah. got quite a wealth of experience. So it's been good so far, isn't it? Because you want your captain, it's quite a bold call to make him the captain anyway. Uh, and so far, that's exactly what you want from your captain, someone that people can look up to and think, yeah, he's giving his all, so I need to I need to be doing the same. There was a little moment in the second half, I don't know if you guys noticed it, was I think it might have been Ramirez has the header saved and he's kind of like a little bit down and when Stuart came up for the corner, he just made a little point of just going over to Ramirez and having a little chat to him, just a little pick me up. Obviously, it didn't work because you know we saw what Ramirez did later. But you know, he put in the effort that um, again last season when we had you know such an experienced captain that we all had really high hopes for. I didn't really see all that often. Um, yeah, it's a fair point. Easier, I guess, when we're three 0 up as opposed to being one 0 Dennis and Johnson at home or three two Dennis and then away away at um, away in Paisley. But yeah, his leadership skills are just also off the charts it's also maybe different I mean I don't want to be disrespectful disrespectful to the clubs he's played for previously but aka Wickham no jokes aside this is a big deal he's got a chance to play albeit maybe the early rounds of Europe which obviously wasn't going to get Wickham he's probably got a better chance of winning a cup uh, but I mean, this is quite a big deal for him I would imagine in his in his yeah. career and to be made the captain so you'd want to see him doing all that sort of stuff and making the most of it because you know, if he can do well, he's young enough that he might still be able to push on. And if he sees out his contract here, he gets an extension, he's a few years here, then that's not a bad way to, you know, you look back at your CV and you think, well, that was good, I was captain of Aberdeen. Absolutely. Um, do you think, in a weird way, guys, because obviously we've, we've now come through the group stages, four wins from four, comfortable, seeded for the next round. Has It's not where we want it to be. Of course, we all want to be in Europe this season once again but has being in the league cup you think really helped us out this season potentially especially with just the amount of you know we kind of talked about last season if we'd somehow snuck into fourth or fifth last campaign and bagged a european spot it would have been papering over the cracks pretty significantly i don't think it would have changed jim goodwin's mind about what he had to do in terms of squad overhaul anyway if we would got in europe i think he would have still had the same approach 
But I do feel that playing European games would have had a different level of pressure to it, I think, for a whole new squad of players trying to come together, try to gel than what we've had to deal with in the League Cup so far. It's an interesting point. Um, this has afforded us the opportunity to play, let's be frank, um, teams that would you would not be playing in Europe. Um, I don't know. Dougie Riga. <laughs> they don't exist anymore, so that's... Uh, that's not that's null and void um but on the other hand you know we've had generally speaking good results against teams in the opening stages of our european competitions um and obviously positive results there maybe give you more to kind of cling on to I me mean, like i can look back again to last season against tekken when we beat them 5-1 at Potaudry and we were all absolutely buzzing we're thinking that the season is going to be the best thing ever nope um this has given us like rel- with relatively, I mean, it's a hard one because there is pressure. There was pressure to our group. Yeah, of course there is. I think to win all four games, but there was probably an expectation within us that we were going to make that happen um, just based on the quality of teams we're up against and the, the situations they're finding themselves in in terms of uh, building squads and getting themselves getting themselves going. I think even in terms of like, the travel and stuff about Europe, you know, like it yeah. doesn't necessarily maybe give you the best time to do proper work on the training ground. Yeah, that's fair try and build systems, try and build that team rapport. It's maybe not bad from a team spirit perspective because the guys are always stuck quite closely together for periods of time. But And yeah, the flip side would be there if you go into a game with more um, hope attached to it, like a European game, then if you end up, say just for example, I've got this off the top of my head, if you lose 1-0 at home to Sligo Rovers, then the pressure builds enormously right there. Graham, you and I, we touched on this when we were walking up the road tonight after the game, that if you look at Motherwell, for example, Motherwell had a horrendous end to the season last year. I think they've only won three games in the calendar year 2022. They somehow managed to scrape into Europe. You see them go into this game now. They go into a European game full of expectation, etc. For me, Sligo winning on Thursday night wasn't a massive surprise. Motherwell have been on a really sharp downward trajectory for the last 12 months, it's probably fair to say. Um, continue to do a fucking massive number on us every time they played us, obviously. It's but, okay, Declan Gallagher's gone. That's a thing of the past. But all that that has done now is heap more pressure on uh, Graham Alexander, who was already under pressure. I mean, he'd have been looking for this to be a clean slate, a bit like Jim Goodwin would have been. And it's just completely backfired. And there's a very real possibility Sligo will finish the job in Ireland um, next week. And that's like a horrendous fucking result. I touched on it during the week. Okay, during our European escapades, we never potentially moved the needle that much in terms of improving the coefficient. By God, we never fucking trashed it in the last eight, nine years in the same way that well, Motherwell have done already. And let's be quite frank, United aren't going to beat AZ Alkmaar um, in, in that one. So, you know, it, it's not great. That, that I think there'll be two Scottish clubs out at the first hurdle. Once again, Hearts will do whatever Hearts do. Sevco have got actually not a, partic- not a particularly kind draw in the Champions League. So that'd be funny as bits if they get hosed out in the before they even get to the Champions League. It'll be interesting to see. I, I, I do personally think that the being in the group stages has has benefited us a little bit this season. It's just a shame the money's not there. Yeah, I think I would agree with most of that. I think when I, ignoring the league position last season, I mentioned at the start, I mean, just the atmosphere around and the way we finished, we never really got any sort of bounce and improvement under Goodwin. And I think it's probably quite good that we were able to just draw a line under it, start off with what should be a set of easier fixtures than you'd expect to get in Europe. And hopefully, like I think it maybe has done, 
is just sort of build a bit of momentum and almost a sort of bit of a reconnecting with the club and the, the team as fans. You know, they've been good results. Some of the games you've been quite enjoying to enjoy but watch, score a few goals. I feel like it's a it's a much more positive frame of mind for everyone than like you say, continue your rank run of form from the season, somehow getting to Europe, scudded out early doors to no one, you know, to someone you've never heard of. It just sort of all the all the baggage from the previous season just gets carried forward. So I think this I think on balance this has probably worked out quite well for us. The games in quick succession is maybe not ideal, but not too many injuries, maybe boosts up the, the fitness guys, you know, obviously getting to play together for the first time. They've had quite a few games now to try and get to know each other. So I think overall, I don't want to be in it next year, but I think this has probably worked out quite well for us. I think that's the exact point, isn't it? It's um it's worked out all right this season. Group A completed it, mate. Let this be the last time that we're actually involved in it. Definitely. So last thing then, I guess, on Sunday's match with Wraith Rovers, time now for your top don, gents. Oh, um, this is another one. Quite where I've got one today, actually. It's another game like of our um, group stage where no one in particularly stood out as an individual. I just thought it was a very, very good team performance. Um, Graham, who are you thinking? Stuart was good. Like you said, everyone was good. I can't I can't pick on anyone for being below par or anything, but I can't anytime and it was the same with Sterling, sort of prime Johnny Hayes. We was winding back the, the clock, seeing him bursting through and just popping one in the bottom corner. It's difficult to not like that. And I think in general, over the game, you know, he was energetic as he always is. He had the the goal. But he was sort of back to his old self. And, you know, we sort of criticised him throughout the last season where he seemed to still have the pace, but almost the, he'd forgotten what to do with the ball, i.e. take it with him or pass it to a teammate. He just seems to be playing the way we know he can do. So I enjoyed watching him. I would probably pick him, but that's kind of because I'm biased towards... Um, I do quite like him. It's quite good to see him back because last season wasn't a good look for Johnny Hayes over most of it I was a little bit concerned that you know he's still here but he's been he's been decent to date so I think uh, I think I'd probably pick him there was a moment in the second half when Johnny Hayes picked up the ball in a kind of a central position and he played like a ball down the right channel with the outside of the foot and to curl it round and I mean if Johnny Hayes tried that last season it probably hits like Jim Goodwin in the head in the dugout so um, I do agree that it appears the the footballing ability on top of his, you know, undoubted physical qualities, it's all there. I think, I guess, as much as anything, probably just growing in confidence, Johnny Hayes, um, along with everyone else in the team. I'm going to say, because I do think Hayes was good and Stuart was good too, but I, I don't think I can give it to a defender. But in saying that, I'm going to give my man of the match topped on to Yilber Ramadani. I thought mm. he was excellent today. Again, kind of what Aaron told us, nothing particularly flashy. Nothing you particularly notice as such, but the work he does defensively, just hounding opposition players is great to see. And he's just got really great awareness of like where his teammates are to get him out of sticky situations or to keep the ball moving. And he's always looking to move the ball forwards as well, which is what I really like about him. Yep. yep. And also he like absolutely wiped out a Wraith Rovers player in pretty spectacular fashion, which was um Well he did, yeah. didn't he? I'm not. I'm not saying that uh, yeah. I want to see us turn into you know a Motherwell esque or Livingston esque team of hammer throwers, but it's, it's nice to see someone just put their 
put their foot in. On a serious note, no one would have done that last season. The guy ruined through a goal. Yep. So yep. there's a man who is clearly prepared to, if he has to take someone out, he's just going to take them out. And we're always on the receiving end of it. It's not necessarily what you want to see, but if, if everyone else is doing it, you need someone to do it in your own in your own team. So he looks like he's quite happy to take people out when required. Sometimes you need to fight fire with fire or, as I like to call it, a two-footer with a two-footer. So uh, you'll be Ramadani. Yep, he'll be my top dog today. Lovely stuff. Let's look at what the ABZ FP Solar System had to say. We stuck it out there again on full-time. Gavin Graham, you're getting the blame this week for the four choices that were in the poll. Um, there's some people not, not happy with you again. You never asked us. You just said, yeah, I've, no, you didn't. You just said, I've put four up and then I'm going to say you guys did it in the podcast. <laughs> so the four choices available were Ilber Ramadani, Anthony Stewart, Johnny Hayes or Ross McCrory. And the winner, Ross McCrory, 47% of the votes. Pretty tidy. I mean, it's it's hard to look past McCrory today, isn't it? Did very, very well in the centre midfield. Well, both of us just did. Yeah, you did, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, which is why I'm now saying it's very hard to look past. That's just the way Ross McCrory rolls. That's just normal. Yeah. Um, the goal itself is enough to get... It's a spectacular goal, yeah. ...topped on. Um, but I thought his overall performance was was really good again. I, I am really, really liking... We spoke about it, I think, on the mini-pod we did. No, no, in the regular episode we did this week, we, we managed to shoehorn in that Sterling Albion review quickly. I spoke about, I think... The way that McCrory and Ramadani are dovetailing together in the set of the park. That's only the third game together today is very, very encouraging. Um, obviously, we're going to be missing that next week. We'll talk about that in the Celtic preview coming up. But yeah, uh, I, I agree with the ABZFP solar system. It's Ross McCrory all day long. So who were the people um, calling for for to be included in the, in the top four? Uh, Hancock. Some people thought that Ramadani and Stewart um, were both off of it. Not sure why they'd include Ramadani. He was average at best. Hancock and Richardson had better games than him. People said, I'm not... Uh, Hancock was good. Richardson... Mm-hmm. But this is the thing. We're back to this whole thing about people, Gav. I'm just going to say, obviously some bars in Aberdeen made a lot of money this afternoon before the game. <laughs> Richardson was good today, actually. I'll say, I'll say that, yeah. Uh, see, I thought this, this is why football is such a great sport, isn't it? Because there's opinions about everything. I thought Richardson was quite iffy looking first half. I thought he came out of game second half. I think him and Kennedy need to work on their understanding together. But um, listen, let's not get into that debate. Just you can't trust people, Gav. We spoke about it last week. This is a, different from last season. We're now arguing amongst each other and fellow fans as to who was the best, not who was the worst. <laughs> so if the yeah. season continues with people moaning because we didn't put someone in as an opportunity for top don, that's absolutely fine. Completely agree. Let's move on. News from AB24 this week. A relatively quiet one. Biggest news on the playing side being the arrival, finally, of the aforementioned future Ballon d'Or winner, Bojan Miofsky, after his visa issues were all sorted out. And um, if you want to believe something that was fed to us, whether it's true or not, I've got absolutely no idea. But one of the potential issues was Bojan receiving a suitable pet passport for his dog to travel to Scotland as well. I would love to have been a fly in the wall in Jim Goodwin's office when that news was coming through to him. Anyway, never mind. The, the wholesome content on Red TV kept on rolling on Friday with Ilba Ramadani driving into Pataudry, sorry, into Cormac Park with his bestie, Boyan, giving him the tour, telling him he'd saved him a spot in the in the dressing room, lining him up for a rowie with a, or two rowies with a slice of bacon in between. Lovely stuff. Linking up the squad on Friday morning, obviously just fucking smashing it, making his debut in the Wraith game. Connor Barron, 
expected to be out for three to four weeks with Jack McKenzie hopefully back in squad training this week. Other main news was the announcement of the Don Singer two-year commercial partnership with KR Reykjavik. Yep, blank faces all round. Similar here, according to the press blurb, the clubs are expected to work together to share knowledge, experience and expertise to help the Icelandic outfit develop its income streams, facilities, coaching, community outreach and fan engagement. Um, Okay. The Don's also hopeful that we can work with KR to attract joint sponsors and commercial partners to increase revenue streams for both parties. Gents, do you have any thoughts about that at all? This will be like the Atlanta link. We will never hear of it again until we recover most of our money from some joker that goes to Reykjavik. I predict we'll never hear anything about this again. Purely from a biased podcast uh, perspective, I am disappointed that this link-up is not with Carrie Arneson's outfit, where, of course, he is director of football. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's just one of these, isn't it? I just, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens from this one. Well, speaking of not hearing anything, we haven't heard anything about the UV link. I know they were linking up with most of the teams in the world. I just about to bring this so up. So it's all, in theory, it's an excellent idea, but I bet you this was nowhere. In a way, the biggest news seemed to arrive during the game on Sunday itself with Martin Boyle and Charles Dunn being spotted in the crowd at Tawdry, fueling rumours that we might be making moves for these two, especially because pre-match Jim Goodwin had indicated he expected uh, to sign a player early in the week, so very much a chance that this has happened before we've hit the airwaves, a left-sided defender by the end of the week and also looking for more strength and depth at the opposite end of the park. Now, this was then all kind of kiboshed quite quickly because after the game, Goodwin was coy about Boyle with the news media indicating that we felt his current salary at his current club would be a bit too rich for us and that Charles Dunn is absolutely not on our radar. He was merely in the city to watch his good pal, Anthony Stewart, in action. So after all that, probably none the fucking wiser. But it was a bit exciting for about... 45 minutes just thinking about how we could wind up Hibs just that little bit more well I mean obviously Charles Dunn is a name that we've been linked with probably as much as anything else just sheer laziness uh throughout the summer but yeah when you see him it's like oh why is he here he's mates with um he's mates with Annie Stewart that's that's okay I'll accept that then um yeah he would not be a player that even if he came in purely on as a squad player would not be um really in keeping with our recruitment policy this summer Anyway, and yeah, just wouldn't be a, a player I'd be hugely excited about. And Martin Boyle, I mean, Aberdeen, Northfield lad, of course, uh, out in Saudi Arabia, his team were relegated. There was chat about that particularly leading to um, a change for him coming back to Scotland. Um, but I think, I think Goodham said himself that the Martin Boyle hype, I'm not overly sure about. I do know that he, for one or two years, was like, he contributed to more goals than any other player out with the old firm. Yeah. Still a decent enough age, still um, good pace. But again, I kind of feel like we're moving in a different direction from signing 30-plus-year-old Scottish players. Um, so, and I, I kind of wonder... Australian, I, what I think you'll find out. <laughs> did I say Scottish player or Scottish international? You said Scottish players. Well, yeah, he's from Northfield. This was one of the things that was upsetting me a little bit during today's chat. You know, somebody did the whole uh, fucking 15 nationalities or whatever who played for... 16, yeah. Yeah, whatever it was. That that was kind of upsetting me a little bit today because I was like, this is kind of playing a little bit fast and loose with the rules. Never mind. Segway. When it comes to Martin Boyle, I would um I'd be concerned that we would exhaust a lot of our footballing budget on buying the um shoe polish necessary to paint his hair. So I would say I would say move on, look the way let him go back to hips. That's fine. I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm not too fussed about signing him. 
either. The only other thing I did see this week, which is not incoming, but I saw we loaned Tom Ritchie to Queen of the South. That's yeah, correct. Yes. He's been in and around the squad, hasn't he? He's been on the bench. He's been in the squad for all the games up till then. Well, I think he maybe dropped out against Dumbarton, I think potentially, but did he get he got injured, didn't he? He got really badly yeah. injured last year when he was on loan. Was he on loan at that point at Huntley? I think, I think he, he was. was. He got injured in training. Yeah. He got injured in, in training, which is actually what then preempted the whole Craig Sampson thing having to happen because he got injured. Lewis was injured or ill. Oh, that was for the Motherwell game, wasn't it? Which meant, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which meant um, Craig Sampson came in the door. I still want to get my hands on that Craig Sampson playing issue, Dons. If anyone at Aberdeen has got this, if Craig Sampson has it, I really want to get hold of that Craig, Craig Sampson player issued goalkeeper shirt from that Motherwell tie. Well, you don't ask, you don't get. So all I was going to say was good luck to Tom Ritchie at Quas. Uh, absolutely. And uh, hopefully... Quas, of course, who are, they're League One now, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they got relegated. One. But hopefully he's there and can get some games and start to develop. I guess it's a little bit tricky when you're a keeper just bouncing around on loan and you're, you're maybe not playing much. So hopefully that'll work out for him because that'll obviously benefit us. Highly rated though, Aberdeen. So yeah, all the best. So that wraps up. The first half of this week's show, join us after the break for the second half where we turn our attention to Sunday's trip to Celtic Park in our SPFL Premiership opener and we offer up our predictions for the season ahead. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you by Fierce Beer, looking to stock that fridge up again ahead of another busy weekend. Well, look no further than Fierce Beer with a wide range of great flavour-packed beers including traditional pilsners, Juicy hoppy pale ales, fruity sensations, and those devilishly luscious barrel aged stouts and tart sours. There's bound to be something for everyone over at fiercebeer.com, and it gets even better. The first 50 people to use the discount code FierceABZ, that's FierceABZ, will get a whopping 10% off your online order. So head on over to fiercebeer.com and check out their selection. Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. Before we move on to talking about the league season ahead, we'd just like to give a shout out to Mal and an anonymous donor who made contributions to the ABZ FP Beer and Coffee Fund this week. We see you. Your bread's appreciated. If you'd like to help keep us fueled in beers or coffee or cans of Ryoka, head on over to ko-fi.com forward slash ABZ Football Podcast. The link is in the description. Buy us a beer, cans of Ryoka, coffee, Banners. Whatever, it's much appreciated. Banners. <laughs> what you do not need to donate for is first bus travel for one Graham Steele, because of course you utilised your free ticket today. I did. It was an excellent initiative. Uh, you what was it last season you got 50% off, but this is a whole 100% off. So I genuinely think that's really good. I appreciate only benefits people in the city, so obviously it doesn't cover everyone, but um, I'm quite happy it's better off in my pouch. Do tell which squad member was driving the bus today. <laughs> I, I was quite disappointed. It was just a normal sort of run-of-the-mill qualified first bus driver. Ah, If it was Vinny, I'd have been there in about five minutes. <laughs> I know. You'd have been there pronto, terrifying And stuff. if it was Roos, I'd have been there beautifully parked. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was just a, just an actual real bus driver, which I, I was a little bit disappointed with, but then maybe, maybe that was for the best. You never know. Maybe that'll be an initiative later in the season. Yes. 
That would be interesting. If you're listening, AFC, and we know you listen, there's a content idea for you for nothing. All right. And if you're listening, we don't even want any royalties for it. If you're listening first, I don't know if you do, we still haven't got our bus yet for our Dave bus or a bus <laughs> exhibition. <laughs> so I'm just saying. I've got that paper mache Dave bus sitting in the garage ready to run. Well, they clearly let anyone drive them, so I'll pick it up. <laughs> All I'm going to say is that um, Connor McLennan has done nothing so far this season. So this is very true. This is very well. That's like any other season, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, um, ouch. Also, the three of us are ramping up our fundraising activities for the season ahead. Firstly, the three of us committing to run, cycle, crawl, walk, whatever the two thousand two hundred sixty-one kilometers that represents the distance between Aberdeen and Gothenburg. That's Gothenburg without an H at the end of it, despite what Gav's Twitter feed yesterday will have you believe. Aiming to do that by the 11th of May 2023 to mark the 40th anniversary of our famous victory over Real Madrid in the rain. If you'd like to make a donation, which we'll see funds split 50-50 between Aber Necessities and AFC Heritage Trust, head on over to justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash ABZ football podcast. We've also got another one of our prize raffles up and running as well. This one I'm going to let run for maybe another week or so to catch payday one last time. Two great prizes available for this one. First prize, hospitality for four people in the Legends Lounge slash Teddy Scott Lounge for a game during the 2022-23 season. This prize is worth the guts of 520 quid in its own right. So for a tenner, just think what you could have won. And also, we're not going to judge you about who the other three people are going to take to your hospitality at Pathology, but, you know. There's three of us here. Second prize, a second AFC shirt from the 2022 23 campaign signed by our brand new squad. Will that have Christian Ramirez in it? Will it have Marley Watkins in it? Will it have David Bates in it? Who knows? Will it have Martin Boyle in it? Or Chuck Dunn? Don't renew your voucher until the end of August. That's all I'm going to say on this one. If you'd like to enter this raffle, each entry, like I said, is just 10 quid. Send us an email on abzfootballpodcast at gmail.com to enter. We'll give you the details on how to enter there. And lastly, oh, it's a big shilling evening tonight, boys. Our ABZ Fantasy Football League is back on the Fantasy Football Scotland app. You'll find a link to our league in the main landing page on the FFS app, or you can use the code ABZFPL. That's ABZFPL to join. There'll be some great prizes again up for grabs this season. More details to follow on that once we pull our fingers out of our arses and sort that out, to be quite frank. AKA, we don't know what they're going to be, but there will be prizes. Absolutely. But now, let's take some time to preview Sunday's Premiership curtain opener as we visit Celtic on Flag Day, hoping to spoil the home size party. Now, I think a lot of us groaned when we saw this one appear to open up our league campaign. I think we were all probably hoping for a relatively serene progress in the League Cup, maybe a nice wee home opener against one of the weaker sides in the league, try and get Jim Goodwin's new look team up and running a bit sooner rather than later. But is there a chance that we potentially land... Celtic, a little bit cold. That's a shake of the head from Graham. Graham is shaking his head. You've got to play them sometimes, so maybe. But in general, even when we have been going well, it's not really a happy hunting ground, is it? I feel I've lost count of the number of times we've talked about going in to Celtic games or Rangers games and catching them cold or catching them after a Thursday in Europe and they'll get get them attired and generally speaking they tend to pump us so um, I'm not sure if that's uh, going to be the case but I think as Graham says you know it's we have to play them at some point and what better way to lay down a marker for the new 
Jim Goodwin led Aberdeen and going to Celtic Park and getting that victory. And a lot of those guys, the new guys that have come in and the guys that have been allowed to stay at Aberdeen show that last season was, I mean, it was an aberration, but it was, you know. It was a blip rather than anything else. It's going to be an anomaly. It's not going to be the, uh, the the new norm. I like her attitude as well now. I mean, Boyan Miofsky in his um, post-match interview tonight, you know, next week, we're going there to win. Exact quote from him. And we all know saying things, you know, it's easy, but I like this mentality. I like this fact that they're, you know, that sort of approach is all good. The only reason I'm saying that do we potentially catch these guys cold is because because Celtic have got direct entry to the Champions League group stages this season, they've not actually had a competitive game of football in their legs today. And their friendly results have been a bit mixed. Um you can't really read too much into friendlies, but I think we all know that friendlies are not the same as playing competitive football. And okay, we've played four competitive games now against lower league opposition, but do we maybe just have a little bit of a, an edge potentially from that perspective? Potentially, but I would probably caveat that with the fact that we are going to change that team that we've been working on so hard. Because um, obviously Liam Scales, it, you might you guys might know, but Liam Scales will be dropping out for the, the Celtic game. Um, according to some hilarious Celtic Twitter user, he'll be there in a Celtic tracksuit celebrating Flag Day. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's going to be a big difference for us, I think. Um, yeah. And it's going to be a big test for, presumably, um, with Conor Bannon injured, Dante Povara is going to slot into centre midfield in place of Ross McCrory, who will be moving to the centre-back position. So yeah, it's going to be a big test for Dante. You think he goes with Povara? Yeah. I can't see him going left field and putting anyone else in. Dante's generally speaking been the the midfield alternative through this um group stage. I couldn't think of can't think of anyone else it would be. Yeah, I suspect you're probably right. I mean it's been quite a busy window for Celtic so far. Uh six signings in the door. Um two of those are Cameron Carter Vickers and Jota making their loan moves from last season permanent from Spurs and Benfica respectively. Uh Benjamin Seagreast. Because he as did the boy Maida. Was he on loan, technically? Yes. Okay. It was always going to be a case of loan and permanent transfer, but yeah. Well, there we go. Well done, Gav. Thank you. Um, Benjamin Seagreast arriving on a free transfer from Dundee United to... Shite. <laughs> to, to warm the bench. Alexandro Bernabe, uh, an Argentinian left-back signed from Lanus. Aaron Shite. Moy signed on a free transfer after his release from Shanghai. Bald. Morris Jens, a German centre-half signed from Lorient. Who's the last German centre-back they signed from, like, Red Bull Leipzig and he never played? Oh, good question. Oh, no idea. No Can't idea. remember his name, but he's going to have the same impact as him. Excellent. Going outwards, uh, quite a few, I guess, most recognisables near Beaton. And thank the fucking Lord, Tom Rogic has finally disappeared from Celtic Park. It's only been, I don't know, what's that, five years at least now? Probably longer Too than that. Too many. He's been there forever. Too many. I hate Tom Rogic. Just wait till he rocks up like Hibs or something like that. He's back in Australia, I think. He is, but he's not got a club. Yeah. You know he's going to sign this week, don't you? For Celtic. Celtic, yeah. <laughs> Straight back in the start. And you'll put a call in. Come on, Tom, I need a favour. Oh. Get back in there. A one-game contract. I feel bad. He seems he seems like he's probably not a bad guy. He seems like he's all right, but I fucking hate Tom Rogic. He's just had an incredibly annoying habit of scoring goals against us. Or not just against us, but like he scored the... An important goals, yeah. It was him that scored the raker at Kilmarnock that just completely burst our title challenge balloon. Well, I say that, I mean, not replacing fucking Danny Ward. 
did that. Let's not go down that rabbit hole again. Ewan Henderson, he's gone to Hibs permanently now, hasn't he? Volleyball and goalie. Remember him? I do. That was the uh, left back, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Is this, the, he, is this the guy like in the peak of lockdown fucked off to like Spain or somewhere? Yeah, that to... that's the only reason I remember him. Just a wee jaunt. We know. Oh, a wee how's your father? Yeah. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Uh, Vasis Barkas, Ismail Azoro, Adam Montgomery. <laughs> and um, a certain Liam Scales have all gone out alone as well. There's still a lot of rumours doing the rounds about Josip Juranovic being a target for Atletico Madrid, but he did play in their last preseason game, which they rounded off preseason with a 2 0 win against Norwich City at uh, Parkhead on Saturday. So I think looking at that Celtic team that started against Norwich, that probably gives you an inkling into the type of lineup we can expect to see from Ange Postacoglu's side. What do you think we can expect on flag day and how do you think Jim Goodwin does decide to approach it? As long as he remembers not to be in the stand. <laughs> <laughs> it was all going so well, Jim. Yeah, don't um, don't bring your son onto the dugout with a green and white scarf. Um, I I'm not completely sure if I'm being honest with you what to expect. I think this is um this is maybe one of the the key reservations people had about Jim Goodwin as being Aberdeen manager is the way that he would set up for these kind of fixtures. Uh, I think you have to accept that that would a big part of that would come down to quite simply budgets and him feeling that he can't take a Sydney team to Celtic Park and play expansively because you're just gonna you know make yourself wide open for their significantly better players to just take you apart and then you know people are looking at you and thinking well why do you set up that way um we've been very positive and he's spoken about wanting to be positive and aggressive in all games and making sure that the teams we play against know they've been in a battle but um i think i've got a pretty good idea of what team we're going to play with um with mccrory being a center back in place of scales i think hancock will retain the left back position Bovar going into midfield alongside Ramadani, and I think we'll probably stick with um, Hayes, Kennedy, and Bajau in supporting Boyan Miofsky. Um, that maybe is depending on if we get anything else done before next weekend, but if that's going with what we have right now as we record on, on Sunday evening, that's what I think we'll do. And I think we'll just, I think we'll have a nice kind of blend of being defensively resolute whilst trying to definitely make sure we maintain an attacking threat because Celtic, for all their good work they had last season and they got a lot of plaudits and you know rightfully so in some circumstances still there was defensive fragility there in my absolutely. mind absolutely yeah and i think starfield will still be injured yeah uh, it's it's likely he will be yeah so that would be the the new german lads probably going to come in for his debut alongside carter vickers it'll be never... between him or stephen welsh i think um, ah, based yeah, on how they lined up yesterday of course um, yes, yes. it depends i guess which one of those two he decides to go with either way like the understanding is probably not going to be there no um as you'd hope and that's yeah that's probably where you, your point about catching them cold comes in and i mean what would you be talking uranovich right back and left back who do they have again It'd probably be greg taylor or anthony Rawls. uh but greg taylor well greg taylor's pish so <laughs> i'd begin right after him um with rich with richardson and bajow and yeah we go for that all day long actually yeah like i say i think there's definitely fragility within their defensive play that we can and should be looking to exploit and then as i said joe hart for <laughs> all the chat that he gets and all the chat he puts out about himself is not the greatest goalkeeper in the world so shots at goal are a must low to his left he cannot save with his left hand low to his left that's all you need to do 
watch Carrie's Iceland team back in 2016. 2016, I was going to say the Euro 2016 still hangs. And if you want extra lols, just go and watch Steve McLaren on Gillette Soccer Saturday. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think this is going to be the interesting part because you, you touched on it there, Gav, about people's reservations about potentially Goodwin from a... How does he decide to sit up at places like Ibrox and Parkhead? Because for all of the issues that there were with Stephen Glass, I'm going to say this, the way he approached, the way he set up at Ibrox and Parkhead last season was a real breath of fresh air, I think, for the vast majority of Aberdeen fans watching and probably for a lot of punters watching who don't support us just to see a team go to these places and actually have a right good go at these teams. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, although most of the results were somewhat disappointing last season, the the highlights, if you like, were actually decent performances against the quote-unquote better teams and mainly because we we tried to actually play some football against them and actually go and take the game to them. And that did actually bring, you know, it did bring some some rewards to us. So I, I'm probably most concerned around how we approach the game. I think it'll be difficult to get a result regardless. If you just look back over the years, it's not very often you go and take the game to them. But if you do, it might work, it might not. If you're going to be stuffy, more often than not, you lose anyway. So I think I'm more intrigued to see how does he actually approach the game. And what I want to see is a different mindset for an Aberdeen team, which is one that Glass did have in those games, which is, well, you might be Celtic and you might be in your home patch, but I don't really care. It's three points just up for grabs and it's 11 v 11. So we're going to go and try and do something about it. I think that's possibly the most important bit to take from Sunday. Because let's be honest, we've all watched Aberdeen teams go down there and be stuffy and still get scudded. I mean, that is what I'm hoping for with the fact that we have going to, we're going to go into that game with... What Kelrus, who's very new to the club, Richardson, Stuart. I mean, they'll all know the names Celtic and Rangers, but they won't, they shouldn't anyway, have any reason to be, you know, overly respectful or as we've said in the past, deferential. And then the likes of Ramadani, Bajowan doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that's afraid of anything, and Miofsky, all very new, probably with experience of having seen teams that they've played against or played um, with having got very positive results against the old firm in Europe they should be going to that game with no fear and uh, that's that's something I'm very positive about it's kind of that Caddy Arneson-esque the Rangers and Celtic so what let's go there and absolutely bring the game to them yeah that's an interesting point you made actually when I can't remember who we were I can't remember who we were chatting to way back was it Rico he said he felt sometimes there was this sort of unconscious fear or whatever because you know guys playing in Scotland You know, it's maybe different in his area, but you're generally losing to them. So it's kind of it's kind of there because you've grown up in the league and you're usually getting beaten by them. Most of the guys in this team now that you mentioned don't have shouldn't have that because they're they're not from here. So yeah, they'll be aware of them, but like you say, they're they're not I can't imagine they're subconsciously, oh shit, Celtic again. Remember what they did to us last season and the season before. It's all new to them and they need to impress. So that might that alone might actually work in our, our favour. There's a, a different... This has not been critical of players of the past because we've all bought it. Even us on this, it's like, well, I know it's a different team and stuff, but look what all, look what almost always happens. These guys don't have that. And the positive is, like, when you look further in the team, like Hancock, obviously a very young player, should, will play with no fear, I'm sure. And then some of the characters we have left over, like Ross McCrory, 
Johnny Hayes. Like they're not going to be intimidated by Celtic at all. Throwing also to the equation Dante Polvara and um, Duke Luis Lopez. Yeah, I think we should be going into this with a very, very positive mentality. And I think we should need to strike the balance of, you know, when to be defensive, when to hold our line, when to press. You know, it's going to be incredibly difficult. It's a, it's probably on paper the hardest game of the season. Let's not, let's not be around the bush on that one. But I think there's a lot of reasons from our group stage performance to be positive. And yeah, I think Celtic are there to be, to be attacked. Yeah, exactly. You can get at them. And we demonstrated that in a relatively poor and team lacking well, confidence. We did, you know, we did that to Dodgy, did it to Dodgy. So you can get it done. Well, and I really hope we try and do something about that. Well, yeah. I mean, us, us as a team that generally speaking weren't particularly creative or, you know, no one for scoring goals, we put, Four past them last season. That's that very with, true, and that's with a what I would say so far on paper and on results a significantly worse team than we have now. So, agreed. Let's just wrap this up then. Uh, predictions for Sunday at Celtic Park. I am gonna say one-one. I think that um, Celtic might go one up, but I think Luis Lopez is gonna get his first goal for Aberdeen. Make it one-one. Nice. I think a draw, but I'm going to say two each. Proving that we can score goals and maybe we'll be reviewing the match saying, oh, well, maybe we're a little too gung-ho. We could have seen that out. But I I reckon uh, 2-2 and more positives than negatives. Celtic nil, Aberdeen 2. The Dons keep the clean sheet running. Clean sheet record running. Miofsky and Bajewin. Just have a hunch. Not even been drinking. Not even been drinking tonight. <laughs> Let's move on. Oh, this this will be fun. We didn't do this for some reason last season. Um, I think we just got caught up with the whole the whole new podcast thing. The whole new it? podcast thing. The hecking game was all like just you know we were watching Aberdeen become the second coming of I don't know someone good. Aberdeen, 1983 Aberdeen. We were planning what we were going to do for when Jet was awarded the Ballon d'Or. Yeah, yeah, it was all happening. It was all happening. But anyway, we missed it last season. Apologies. We're going to do it now. We'll put our general footballing knowledge to the test, um, as you can see from our predictions there. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> knows what's going to happen here. And we're going to bring you our predictions for the season ahead. So the boys haven't even seen this list yet. I just I threw this together very quickly before we came on. Um, let's get going. There's a whole number of different categories here. I'm not going to lie. Um, Let's start with the easy ones. Your SPFL Premiership winners. Smeltic. Graham's going controversial. Only because we're not quite there yet next season. But next season. We're not quite Before there we yet. actually like get into that, I did see the um the Hearts director of football, whose name escapes me now, saying that their target for the season is to win the league. And he's absolutely fucking right. I saw a lot of people taking the piss out of him for this. Yeah, well, you know what? They'll be Rangers, Celtic fans, or Hibs fans. So fuck them. No, I think I think there was like fans from all over taking the rip out of him for this. And I was like, Joe Savage is his name. Joe Savage. Macho man Randy Joe Savage. Joe Savage sounds like a name from like the British comedian circle in like the It 90s. does, doesn't it? Yeah. Um a little bit racist, a little bit of blue for your mum and dad. <laughs> but that kind of mentality is what we need. And so um I'm I'm, I'm I'm well up for that kind of chat. And I think Aberdeen should be aspiring as much as we can as well. But if I want to actually, you know, come the end of the season, be proved right about something, I will go ahead and agree. I think Celtic will win the league. 
I'm going to take it seriously now, aren't I? I'll update this later. Rangers have signed no one of note in the summer. Um, so, apart from, apart from all their old boys. True. Uh, oh, I have to take it seriously. I was hoping you would just be like the Dons, obviously. And I can't see past Celtic winning it, unfortunately. The Aberdeen in a close second. Yeah. Um, as Graham said, we're just not maybe quite there yet. But next year will be our year. We're a work in progress. Second category relegated from the Premiership. Now, of course, you have the option here of picking two teams. Do you decide that somebody is going to go down via the playoffs as well? I reckon the Saints are in there. Which one? <laughs> Both. <laughs> Both aren't looking too hot right now. I think they might just go. They're, I've seen no evidence that they're any better than they were. So I think they might just go. St. Johnston, just for clarification. Yep. St. Johnston. Okay. Gav? Oh, are you just picking one, or does someone else go? Well, it's too complicated to... Okay. So I'm just saying St. Johnston will be relegated as the right. bottom team. Go for it. Okay, good stuff. I think, yeah, on the basis of pre-season and... Uh, and Adam Montgomery. The cup, the cup and um, <laughs> Callum Davidson's recruitment policy. It's it's interesting. Let's put it Which that basically way. is like your dad on a two-year contract and Adam Montgomery... And they've still got Stevie May. Um, Caleb Hendry was their goal scorer last season. He's now left for Salford. I think they'll be in for a really tough season. I also think Motherwell will be in for a difficult season. Yeah. So I will say, you know what? A lot of like the bigger like, establishment top flight teams have dropped out of the league in the last few years, last 10 years or so. I think this could be Motherwell's turn. So I think it'll be St. Johnston and Motherwell. That's funny, Cav. I'm, I'm going to go quite similar. I'm going to say... Uh, I'm going to say Muddle will drop out this year. Maybe not automatically, maybe it'll be the, 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 the playoffs. It'll be funny as fucking bits if Kevin Van Veen gets relegated. I will be all over that. But um, I would be concerned. I think St Mirren as well. I think it'd be the Stephen Robinson effect. If both of those, St Johnson might just sneak out courtesy of Andy Considine. Well, he's going to have his work cut out, isn't he? He, he certainly is. Stephen Robinson and Motherwell Mark II, as he seems to be building at, uh, in Paisley. Yeah, that yeah. could be a, a bit of a brutal season. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Premiership, top goal scorer. I'm going, I'm all in here. Boyan Miofsky. In a remarkable turnaround of fortunes and attitude, he wears number 99, scores all the time. <laughs> wow. Bold. Uh, uh, you can't really look past... I was going to say anyone in that Celtic team, given that I reckon they're going to win the league. I don't know, score a ton of goals. So, Jota. Jota. I'm going to go, I'm going to join Gaffy. I'm going to say Bojan Miofsky. Well, I hope I am proved wrong. On penalties, he's going to fucking smash it. League, sorry, give it the proper title. Premier Sports Cup winners. I'm going to say the Dons. Genuinely, I am going to say, I reckon we're on at something. Would you, well, I say would you, it doesn't really, it's not like a rotation where you're like, oh, it's our season to win. But I've got a, a feeling that we're not going to be as shit as we were last season, so I'm calling it now. <laughs> League Cup. I too, I'm, I'm very positive about Aberdeen this um, this season. And we've been given, I mean, someone can clip this quote, but we've been given, I think, a, a generous last 16 draw. Well, it's the draw that I expected Celtic or Rangers to get. Against, against the League Two side, you can't really complain about that. So, Well, against the lowest ranked side left in the competition. There so. you go. There you go. Um, Be polite about it. I do think we're going to... I I do think we're going to win something this year. 
I've got a genuine feeling about it. But I don't think it's going to be the League Cup. Is it, is it the year, Gav? Is it the year? So on that basis, well, we'll get to that in one question time. Mm-hmm. On that basis, I think who won it? Celtic won it last year. Celtic won the League Cup last year. Yeah. I think Celtic will retain the League Cup. Okay. Uh, I am going to say I'm going to join Graham here. I'm going to say Aberdeen are going to be the League Cup winners this season. I think Celtic will put a lot of focus on Champions League group football. I think Hearts will might struggle a little bit as well with the whole. European group football as well until whenever that runs to for them um, the draw actually today is quite this is talk about getting way ahead of yourself but the draw is actually quite uh, put it this way in the quarterfinals there will be one of Partick Thistle or Arbroath there'll be one of Motherwell or Inverness Cali there'll be one of Livingston or United there'll be one of Dundee or Falkirk like that opens up if you get and if you get a nice draw you've got a, a, a relatively favourable run potentially to the semi-finals at the very least and once you get to there all bets are off I think Celtic's trip to Ross County looks a, a, an interesting one I think um, you know Mad Racist Malky McKay's Ross County are certainly free scoring if nothing else they put what seven or eight past seven yesterday yeah I think they'll give Celtic a bit of a, a tough time up there and it'll be a midweek game as I say I think Celtic will really want to put a lot of focus on Champions League football this season uh, yeah, League Cup winners, Aberdeen Football Club. Did you say East Fife conceded seven Ross County in there? Well, yeah. It is not going well for Stevie Crawford. It's not, is it? I hope he's managed to sort that bald patch out. How do you suggest he fixes it? I don't know. What was the thing that Homer had again? Democracy. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever league if it's got, you know. Uh, yeah. One day that guy had no hair, and then the next day he had hair. I had some hair. It, still wasn't a very, it wasn't a very convincing job. Still, still no football club, the daft bastard. Yeah, indeed, indeed. He's going to end up at Livingston, isn't he? He's training with them. Oh, is he? Yeah. Uh, no contract on offer, but that's where he's going to end up. Oh, that's going to be an awkward one for the Almond View boys. Who's that? Griffith. Oh, is that where he's training? He's training there, yeah. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> Next up, come on then. Scottish Cup winners. Gav, you've almost preempted it. Yep. First time since 1990. It's coming home. At long last, this is going to be the year. Happening to win the Scottish Cup. I'm going to agree with you. We're going to do the Cup double. It's going to be 89-90 all over again. Kill Roos to save the winning penalty. Scottish from Anthony Ralston. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Taylor, because he's shit. That's it. It's coming home. Yeah, I agree. Scottish Cup. It's happening. Finally. Get it done. And we can also put an end to St. Johnston thinking they're big and special by winning two Cups in the same season. Well, between that and their relegation, that'll yeah, be all a there. terrible season for St. Johnston up ahead. <laughs> Sorry, Sam and Danny, by the way. Yeah. I saw Glenn was like taking great enjoyment out of the fact that St. Johnston were out of the cup and that that was fucking over the Dogger Saints boys. I have no idea what that's about. We need to get that. We need to get to the bottom of that. We can hold a, a town hall meeting between them. Yeah, let's let's do that. We'll, we'll bring Glenn on out of nowhere, like you know, one of those surprise guests. Speaking of which, to those lads and the guys from Almondview, how do you go about getting your predictions into 442 magazine? I, I, who knows? Let's, let's worry about that later. I've got too much other shit to be doing. I've got obscure Aberdeen footballers from the last 30 years to be trying to contact. And yeah. on that... Almost none of them speak the Queen's. So that's... that's Well, yeah, that's going to be an interesting challenge for these two that we've lined up, but they are in the bag. I can't wait for them to happen. Um, who knows? Anyway, let, let's move on. Graham, Scottish Cup winners. Uh, I don't think it'll be the Dons because I think we'll get distracted with our league charge. 
and we'll fall just a little bit short, which is why we're a work in progress and I didn't tip us to win the league. So I think we'll drop the ball and, I don't know, Celtic will win it just because they're not going to win the League Cup, so they'll win the other one. Well, there we go then. Lovely stuff. Next up, the so all the all the cups or titles are going to Celtic or Aberdeen, so everyone else just fucking give up. Just don't bother. What's the point? Yeah, so if you support anyone else and you've renewed your season ticket, that was a waste of time and money. <laughs> the championship. Who's your pick to, to come up from the championship? Mainly as winners first, and then if you want to pick a second team, then... Well, I mean, I have to pick a second team because I said two are coming down. Um, looking at it, as I do now, I think it's going to be a very competitive league. Again, I think Dundee seem like they're in really good shape. Seems like Gary Boyer is having a significant overhaul on their squad and has completely changed the mentality. Um, it's almost as though putting a semi-competent manager in charge of that football club would potentially give you some results. Boring though, isn't it? It's really boring. Who <laughs> it really is though. I mean, someone still needs to hire him. Come on, like someone take up the baton. Hibbs. Lee Johnson's gonna be, Lee Johnson's gonna be gone out of a job by Christmas. Well, we're gonna come on to a category about this soon, so come on. McGee's cheap in terms of um, looking after <laughs> everything. Him. Well, he doesn't put his heating on, so <laughs> no, it's a current climate that's quite handy. That would save a little bit there. Um, okay, I'll say I'll say Dundee will win the league, and coming up through the playoff. Oh, he's, he's, he's Gavin's taking this very seriously. Oh, very seriously indeed. Credibility's on the line here. You know what? Gav's acting like he's got credibility to put uh, on the line. No, but the, the, he's going to get it from this. He's trying to build some up. I've, uh, I've got a sneaky suspicion that Graham Giles' favourite team are going to sneak into the playoffs and then anything can happen. No, I don't see that happening. I think Cove Rangers will come up. Go one, so. better than, uh, go one better than Arbroath. Okay. That's bold, Gav. I reckon Cali are going to win it. Okay. And of course, you only had one team yep. coming down, so that's your pick. I'm going to say I can't see past Dundee right now to win the league based on just how well they've done in the, the group stages of the Cup. They've, for where they were to what they've done is actually quite a remarkable turnaround. It's almost Jim Goodwin-esque. Um, the gentleman at Dens Park Choir seemed very positive about their yeah. situation. So, yeah, I'll go with Seems that. to have really you know got the this, this support enthused there. So, um, fair play to Gary Boyer. Seems to have Naomi again playing as well. Looks like he's playing Naomi again in a position that suits Naomi again, which will always help, I imagine. Um, I'm going to say I, I struggle to look past probably between Inverness, Cali, maybe Partick Thistle. Queen's Park might be a dark horse because they've got some, some money kind of floating behind them. I thought Wraith looked pretty tidy in patches today, but clearly they need a striker of some sort um, our both have come through the group stages four wins from four flying again with the big dick experience it does seem they've retained their squad I just yeah. think it's going to be too much I can't I can't see it happening again though yeah the, their chance was last season although they've added Kieran Shanks from yeah they've added Kieran Shanks from Inverurie Locos who I was very very impressed with actually whenever I saw him last season scored yesterday against Airdrie what was it Airdrie was who our both played yesterday um, I think it'll be too much for them. I, I think it'll be Inverness Cali second time asking to come up to the playoffs and Austin Samuels will make his triumphant return to pathology the following season. Next up, I can't be barbed doing like relegated from the championship. So League One winners. Well, I mean, again, you're talking about a competitive league. That is that is League One in Scotland. Well, this is a mental league. I think Airdrie Onions. 
because they were pretty close to getting out last season. I know they lost their manager and that, but that's where I'm going. And they're also the first team in the table, so it's easy to spot them. <laughs> who did who did Kelty Hearts take over in as manager? Uh, I can't remember, actually. It, it, oh, it's John Potter. John Potter, that's right. That yeah. is not an inspiring appointment. It's not one to get the juices flowing, is it? Not exactly, no. Um, Graham, do you say Airdrie? Airdrie Williams? I did. I'll say it all depends on who they took in as their manager. Who Airdrie? They took in a young lad. The teams that are going around that have had new managers to take in over the summer. Um, I'll say Dunfermline. Okay. With uh, James McPick. McPick's taken over. He's got experience of getting teams promoted. He's he not John Hughes. Um, they're full-time. So yeah. I think that'll benefit them. He's not John Hughes is pretty much the only criteria you need here for this one. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Falkirk. I think this is going to be the season that Falkirk finally escaped their League One nightmare. Uh, John McGuinn's already gone in there and done a pretty decent job in the group stages of the Cup. So I fancy Falkirk might have put their nonsense behind them at long last and might finally get themselves back up back up from the uh, the abyss that is League One. But it could be, you look at that, it could be anybody. Yeah, competitive league. League Two. Again, just the winner's Probably not Sterling Albion. No? Definitely not Dumbarton. I guess. There's no standout team in there at all, is there? Not massively. I mean, Stenhouse Mune have picked up a few players. Signed Craig Bryson, so it won't be them. Likely. Bonnie Rig Rose have looked okay in their cup matches so far. They've certainly not looked like they're going to be, you know, embarrassed or anything of that ilk. Forfer did well last season. I think they finished runners-up eventually last year, didn't they? That um, sounds right, yes. I'm going for four for before anyone else claims them. Based on nothing other than I could just like saying the name, I'm going to say Stranraer. Stranraer. I'm going to say Annan Athletic. I think Annan actually had a pretty decent run last season as well. And um, no, they'll be. They're going to need something positive this season after having been smashed out the week. But weekend. that's why they're not going to win it because they're going to be so <laughs> shell shocked after what we're going to do to them that they will never recover. <laughs> never, <laughs> ever. <laughs> Lovely stuff. One closer home. Highland League winners this season. Only one option. The Inverary trains. The choose choose. I think Bucky will win it. Oh, he's going Bucky. He loves that orange lodge in Bucky. So he does. Fraserburgh got off to a good start at the weekend again. That said, they were playing a Devon Vale team who were basically playing with 10 men because they had uh, Jets younger brother playing up top. So hard to really gauge where they're at with that one. Uh, I can't see past Fraserburgh, unfortunately, I think this time around. Don't know why I said unfortunately. I, I don't really care. Either way, to be quite brutally honest, I'd lo- I'd love to see Inverurie do it because obviously it's my local team. But um, I think they've lost a lot of players in the summer. Um, they might struggle. So I think they started off with a a good win at Clack on Saturday. So let's wait and see. No whipping boys in the form of Fort William this year. So that's a guaranteed set of points, which are not there for most teams going forward. Let's see what happens. I would have put the Lowland League in here, but who gives a shit what a joke league that is? So fuck it. Let's not bother with that nonsense. First. Manager to be sacked, and we'll say top flight. It's hard to tell right now. It gives away to look at the bookies. No, I'm not. I'm just going to look at the the league and see. Well, it also rules out my choice. Oh, who would have been your choice otherwise? Cy Ferry. Ah, uh, because that's just going to be an absolute clusterfuck. You won't get sacked. It'll be like sacking yourself, and then replacing yourself with Kevin Kyle. <laughs> Slaney as assistant. Do you say top top flight, as in just top flight? Yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm gonna say actually, Callum Davidson. 
I think St. Johnson will get off to a really rocky start and the pressure that's built over from last season will just carry that over and he'll be gone. Uh, that is a very good shout. I'm going to say Graham Alexander. It's a toss-up for me between Alexander and Stephen Robinson, to be honest, because mm. like Robinson has got no goodwill with St. Mirren fans at all, it would appear. So a few iffy results and that could get pretty ugly pretty quickly, I think. But I suspect the board might take a bit more of a longer-term view on him. Keith Lasley is like the CEO at St. Mirren now, isn't he? Uh, chief exec or director yeah. of football or some, yeah. A, One of those roles. A big job it. title for someone who was an absolute fucking clogger as a player. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I imagine he's quite pal with Stephen Robinson, so that maybe buys a bit more time. Well, he was he was Robinson's number two at Motherwell. So yeah. yeah. Graham Alexander's in a bad, bad place. I don't just mean Motherwell. Um, <laughs> classic, classic banter there. Um, I, I think it's I think it's Graham Alexander swiftly followed by Calvin Davidson, swiftly followed by Lee Johnson, swiftly followed by Scott Brown at Fleetwood. <laughs> uh, beat Dundee United two one in a preseason friendly yesterday. Hashtag just saying. Okay, next next category. Next up, breakout star again. We'll just we'll put this to the Premiership. Adam Montgomery. <laughs> I was going to pick Theo Bear at St Johnston just because he's got an amazing name. Well, I mean, um, purely on the basis that I know Aberdeen the most and the closest, I will go ahead and say, I mean, is Connor Barron a breakout star at this point? Not now. I think we all know about him, don't we? He's already on the shortlist for Ballon d'Or. How can he Absol- be a breakout star? Absolutely. Um, Mason Hancock. Mason Hancock. Mason Hancock's going to be the guy I was going to put as well, so that's good that I made that nice and quick. The team most likely to Hibs it. Hibs. It's difficult to look past Hibs. It's a clean sweep for Hibernian football club. It's in the name, for fuck's sake. The most embarrassing result in Europe. I I feel like Motherwell might have already got that. When I wrote this, I was like, oh, I think we've already got there, but never mind. Um, So who are Rangers playing? Uh, Union St. Gallen. Gallen? Union St. Gallen? They finished, in fairness to them, they finished top of the Belgian league and then the Belgian league does a weird split thing. I mean, you play off for Europe, don't you? Yeah, but you also lose points. Like, they pro-rata your points down. So they were, like, comfortably top of the table and then they'd remove, like, a whole bunch of points from you. And then they had a horrendous last part of the season, so they ended up finishing second. Do you know what else the Belgian league does that's funny? <laughs> what? Makes Jack Hendry look vaguely competent. Well, this, is, this is true. So um, that's who Rangers are playing. I don't think that would be a massive shock if they were to be beaten. Um, yeah, I mean, Motherwell losing to Sligo. If they lose the the entire um, tie, that's kind of got a Bohemians-esque quality to it. So Yeah, but what if like Hearts get thumped back for like 20 by anyone? Who'll be, in the, who'll be in the Conference League this year? By, by Brighton League. By Manchester United, that's pretty embarrassing. <laughs> uh, pie of the season. It certainly wasn't the steak pie I had today at Pathology, which Tell you what, my one was straight out of the nuclear reactor. Fucking hell. Like, I didn't realise that the government had already given approval for nuclear power to be back up and running. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realise. <laughs> I bet into mine. And I was realised, oh, that was a bit silly because it must have been full of like 24 karat gold because it cost a fucking <laughs> fortune. <laughs> So maybe I was supposed to just take it home and I don't know, like sit on the mantelpiece, filter out the gold, or yeah, or display it. I don't know. So nothing from Pataudry is the quick answer to that. 
nor at uh, KR Reykjavik when they take on um, Baxter's as their <laughs> food vendor as part of their commercial initiative. Um, I mean, it's a hard one because I've not travelled too much the last few years around the grounds, but I know Gary is very effusive over the steak and chorizo pie, which in theory does oh. sound amazing. So McDermott Park, the steak and chorizo pie. Yeah, it's a toss-up for me, the steak and chorizo at McDermott or the steak and black pudding at our both. Well, but that's a myth because when Gavin and I were there, we were in not that long after the kickoff, eh, but just after the gates opened and they sold out. So it's a myth. All these pies of the season, I reckon mm. they just take in about five so they can put them on Twitter and Instagram and all that pish. They can't actually buy them. Ross County do, I can't remember what Ross County do, a couple of excellent pies actually. So be good um, for the whatever day that is. I'm I'll dreading. be buying about eight of them just to <laughs> soak up the vitamin T. You'll, you'll be in this piss or spewing. So there's no danger you'll be indulging. I'll buy like three, have a half bite into one, then be chunking that. Probably. And then that'll be it. Sounds about just, right, actually. And then not watching the rest of the game, just sitting, contemplating life choices. Well, back yeah. in the day, Livingston had a pretty decent pie back in the day. Uh, yeah, it was it so is. good it made our it made our friend Alan convert his wooden sleeve his cardboard sleeve into a makeshift fork because it crumbled <laughs> in front of his eyes in what is one of the more piece of engineering what is one of the more disgusting moments I've ever seen in Scottish football but hey absolutely that's probably enough about pies um, his broken down pie covered in Tam's ass horrendous stuff um, Don's player of the season I think I've gone on record before it'll be Connor Ballandor I've, a number of close seconds Close joint seconds, but uh, Connor Barrendor. If he's, f- if we get him back in that sort of window that you suggested earlier, three to four weeks, and we get, you know, and his fitness doesn't break down and he's playing week in, week out, it's probably difficult to look past him because everyone likes your sort of technical, creative players. I think McCrory will be absolutely solid yet again because he always is. But if Barron's fit for the whole season, he's going to, it's going to be more exciting. So, Probably have to go with that. Lovely stuff. Uh, Boyan Miofsky, you know, because you'll hit 45 goals and you can't look past a striker who scores that many for you. So Boyan Miofsky, Don's breakout star of the season. Well, I mean, see the previous mention. I think I said Ingwenia beforehand, but he's not featured at all. I would suspect. Yeah, yeah. I suspect that he'll um, find his way out on loan before the window is up. Yeah, see the previous answer, Mason Hancock. Mason Hancock, for me, based on how things went uh, today, definitely developing as, as the games progress. I'll just go with that, just because it's easier. Okay, there we go. Lovely stuff. Don's top scorer, I've already nailed my colours to the mast, and this one is Boya Miofsky, because he's getting 45. I've already nailed mine to the mast. Which was? He wears 99. It scores all the time. Some of the time. <laughs> Less than some of the time. Unless he's one-on-one with time to think. Um... Yeah, yeah, Miofsky, number nine. Finally, the Jack Gurr Memorial Award. Now, what's this kind of like, what's this What's this awarding? Is this, who's just going to go down as the next Jack Gurr? Just who will be the absolute shittest player to grace the Scottish Premier League this season? Mm, that's an interesting one. Because there are quite a lot of candidates. Everyone's been piling on on this guy, and I can almost feel bad for con- contributing to it, but um, Rocky. Oh, Hibs. No. oh. The poor guy. He's not going to be the worst, is he? Even when it's not his fault, he's still fucking up. So, um, Rocky, I mean, Paul Hanlon's still on the books of Hibs, and he's garbage. 
but yeah, Rocky's a special, a special kind of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> poor guy, honestly, the poor guy. When you're getting signed by mistake, and everyone's just like, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" Man, that's that's not a good, it's not a good sign. It's almost as bad as your manager bringing in your mate, his, his mates from Atlanta too. Almost, almost. Graham, I don't. I'm struggling with this because I haven't really been keeping up to date with other teams and who they've been signing. And there's going to be a lot of nonsense in the league because there always is. Hibs already look like they've signed some interesting and in inverted commas players. Okay, one of Hibs is interesting players. Now. Hibs is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> AKA Rocky. Despite me going with talking about Hibs as uh, players, I'm actually going to go with Ben Davis, who Sevco have signed. You know, the centre half at Liverpool, who they signed from Preston. Oh, they had the a, one that Celtic were reportedly after. Yeah, Celtic wanted him. Then Liverpool had like a bust at centre half, so they just signed this guy and then basically never played him. Well, I remember that because that was a few years ago, wasn't it? it came out of nowhere. Yeah, and funnily enough, he's done absolutely nothing at Liverpool. So I suspect he's going to come up here, they'll be asked, be nice and easy, and he'll be absolute dog Joey Barton, which is Yeah, which is why you'll see Van Bronckhorst sacked by Christmas as Sevco are languishing in sixth spot in the league. It'll go all Paul Le Guin. It'll be glorious. Oh, actually, can I change my answer? Yeah, on you go. Sitman's number 10. <laughs> 31, I think he is now, but never mind. Anyway, there we go. We'll take a tally of those. Let's see how we get on at the end of the season on those. And that wraps up this week's episode of the APZ Football Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Please remember to like, subscribe, follow, or whatever on your podcast. Player of choice. Join us next week for episode 54, where we'll review. No, next week's 55. Join us next week for episode 55, <laughs> where we'll review our SPFL Premiership opener with Celtic. And we'll preview our first home game of the campaign with a visit of St Mirren to Pataudry in the company of Mr Pie and Bovril himself. We we'll look forward to seeing you then. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you by Fierce Beer. Coming up in August... Fierce are running their very own summer sessions at their brand new brewery with local food vendors, music games and of course a tremendous selection of Fierce on tap. What more could you want? Located out at Unit 60 Howmont's Terrace, this will be running every single weekend in August starting on Saturday the 6th. No tickets or booking required, just turn up and enjoy. This will be all leading up to the opening of Fierce's very own tap room which will be opening soon after the summer sessions are finished. For all updates room and summer sessions follow the guys at Fierce online on Twitter Instagram 